so I realized this is it. This is how you create long-term behavioral change. And it's through the conversations. So I've spent my last 20 years really figuring out how to do this best, how to have these conversations. Hi, this is Bev. I'm the host of People at Work Today. People at Work is a podcast brought to you by Jostle, the creator of an employee intranet that is working hard to help employees be connected to things that matter to them at work. And while we're thinking about the technology of building an intranet, we're also thinking about what's actually changing in the world of work. So we're having conversations like the one today with leaders and thinkers around the world who are really trying to find ways to improve the experience that people have at work. Today, I'm really delighted to welcome Marsha Reynolds. Marsha is a master certified coach and author of Coach the Person, Not the Problem. Her research in neuroscience has helped her to understand the science behind coaching and how it can shift the mindset of those who are open to it. Marsha is interested in learning how leaders and colleagues can help others get beyond feeling stuck and finding new fulfilling ways forward using a coaching approach in their conversations. I think many people are feeling a bit stuck at the moment. Today, we're going to hear about how to get unstuck using conversational coaching. So welcome to the show, Marcia. Oh, thank you, Bev. The topic that we're going to be exploring today is very uh, relevant for today's times. But before we start digging away at that, perhaps you'd like to give our listeners just a quick snapshot of how you've come to be passionate about something called conversational coaching. Yeah, well... My entire career has been about uh, helping people to change and grow. So I started out in a training department for a company, a, a hospital corporation, in 1981. I kind of like fell into uh, one of those accidental careers. I was hired to push around their TV sets <laughs> as the <laughs> AV coordinator. Um, in the training department and my boss decided to go get her doctorate and dump the whole department in my lap. And my first job was management training. <laughs> so that was like, that was the start of the journey. And so as I got into trying to figure out how do I make my training work? How does it change people's minds? How does it help them grow? I, I, I gathered degrees and experiences. I moved into different companies. I was running training departments. And I worked really hard to make my training good. And people at the end would give me the happy faces and say, thank you, you changed my life. And they'd even go out and try. But as soon as it became difficult, you know, then their resistance came up and all their excuses and they didn't change. So I said, there's gotta be something that can sustain the change, if not inspire it. And that's when I realized that, you know, training is just an event. It's just an inspiration to try. It's not about change. And as I was leaving my last job in 1995, I read an article about coaching. And I'm like, oh, I wonder if this is the thing, you know, that I've been missing because it seems to be a process instead where you can be with people when they go through the fog and, and uh, the insecurities around what feels awkward and difficult. Um, and then when I got into it, into studying it and practicing it, I said, there's more to it than just I'm holding their hand. <laughs> you know, the analogy of, you know, you're, you're running by them as they're riding their bike. Well, it's more to it than that. And so I went and got my doctorate to understand what goes on in the brain 
when we use coaching techniques of like just sharing what we hear and what we see and, and being curious. And I realize we're actually dealing with a different part of the brain, the middle brain, where long-term memory is and, and our sense of who I think I am and how I see the world. And once that changes, our behavior changes forever. So I realized this is it. This is how you create long-term behavioral change. And, um, uh, it's, and it's through the conversations. It's not just that we're, that we're there to support them and root them on, <laughs> but it's the type of conversations that we have. So I've spent my last 20 years really figuring out how to do this best how to have these conversations, what really makes the difference. And, and I do teach coaching skills all over the world. I'm on faculty in five different countries um, of coaching schools. And so I look at it also from a cultural perspective too. Is there any differences? And not really, not when you're working on that part of the brain. So that's what, you know, I am so passionate about it because it's been my quest for many decades now and I really feel like I found it. Well that certainly sounds like a really fascinating journey and, and one that you you really have been able to explore a few different dimensions that have basically wrapped up into having this position around the power of conversations as part of coaching. Mm -hmm. And I'd really like to unwrap that with you a little bit as mm -hmm. we go into the conversation. But yeah. perhaps the, the first question I have for you coming out of, of what we just heard was um, other than, you know, the neuroscience around what actually changes in your brain when you mm -hmm. um, are being coached, um, why do you think coaching is so powerful in facilitating sustained growth and engagement? Um, like what else is there about it that is not yeah. related to neuroscience, if anything? Well, you know, what a lot of people don't realize, and especially leaders and companies, that it's not just some skills and some questions that I ask, that there's a true integration of my skill of coaching with what we now call the coaching mindset. Um, and coaching mindset um, has to do with not just how present you are, but the emotions you feel, uh, your respect, regard for the person in front of you. Do you believe in them? Do you trust that they can grow? Um, that that energy between us is just as critical as um, uh, the skills that we use. And, and so th there's in developing your coaching skill, you have to do both. So a lot of, you know, leaders will go to like a day or two workshop and learn a little bit of listening skills. And yeah, you know, that's going to help <laughs> because it changes the relationship, the, the power dynamic in a conversation. And whereas the leader's not the expert, the leader is your partner, your thinking partner. That's the first step. Um, but to truly get in and help people get through, the, especially now with, you know, all the difficult times and being stuck, you know, to be able to do that requires both that you are able to challenge their thinking, but they have to feel safe enough with you to allow you to challenge your thinking. So it's both, um, you know, the energy you bring as well as the words you use. 
Yeah, that's, that makes a lot of sense in, in terms of the, the enduring nature of mm -hmm. the relationship um, from mm -hmm. a coaching perspective versus just being um, in a relationship with your direct manager or your supervisor doesn't necessarily yeah. mean you're being coached by that person, right? So nah, usually not. Yeah. Yeah. And, and to your other point about almost the fleeting nature of uh, training around specific things mm -hmm. um, like listening or feedback or whatever those other core skills are, those things might raise awareness, but they don't necessarily lead to long lasting change in, in my experience. Mm -hmm. um, so I'm just wondering about your perspective on um, what leaders should be thinking about in terms of acquiring their, their coaching skills, because it's clear to me that seems to be the path to take for long-term mm -hmm. sustained growth. Um, yeah. So what should leaders be thinking about today in terms of how can they acquire those, those coaching skills and um, what's different about conversational coaching versus regular coaching? Well, you know, I work with a lot of leaders and teaching them coaching skills and what I just said about, you know, you can't really learn it in a two-day workshop. Just as I said, coaching is a process and we're with them when they go through the difficult times to help coach them through that. It's the same in learning coaching skills. So I think that any program that you go through would be a series of workshops and then practice in between and maybe peer coaching and you know because we don't learn from the experience we learn from reflecting on experience so if they go through a class and and, and they practice great but then they have to go out and adapt it and notice where they don't get it <laughs> you know and and how they stop themselves and then they come back and either another workshop or group coaching, you know, which is effective. So it should be a process of learning to have conversations with a coaching approach and not think you're going to get it in, in a one or two day workshop. And any good coach that works with a company will, will offer something like that to say, okay, if you really want to integrate the learning, because again, and just, a, and I do the day, the day and a half, you know, workshops because they want that. Um, but I'll be very clear, like, I'm just going to give you a few things to go out there and start, but this is just a start. Um, you know, there's books to read and, and I do recommend going through an accredited coaching school, just the basics, you know, like a, a six month program. It doesn't have to be a two year program. Every coaching school that's accredited has a foundational program. And that's, that's all you need, but that'll give you the ability to truly hold these. You know, I, I've gone into a couple of major um, Fortune 500 companies here in the U.S. where I, uh, I worked with the training and development and HR leaders and put them through an initial uh, certification process. Um, uh, and then help them to develop programs that they could then roll out to their leaders. So it could be a process and not me just coming in. I might do a kickoff workshop, but they have to maintain it as a process. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, th I think it's, I mean, some might argue that doing 
something is better than doing nothing, right? But mm -hmm. you, you then really have to think about the investment you're making and whether or not you have a culture of coaching within your organization too, and whether it's yeah, something supports that it. yeah. supports the ongoing uptake mm -hmm. of it, right? So, so maybe let's step down into the notion of conversational coaching. Mm -hmm. So could you help us understand how different that is from regular or traditional coaching? In an organization, you're going to be doing more than just wearing a coaching hat. You know, so I, as an external coach, when you and I have a conversation, I'm, you know, 90, 95% of the time wearing a coaching hat. That doesn't mean at the end, I'm not going to give you some resources that will be useful for you if that's, if we decide together that's something you need. Or that I, I will give you information and that will help you make your own choices. That's a part of coaching, actually. Um, but a, let's say take a leader, even a team leader or project manager. Um, there will be times when they have to give direction and goals um, uh, and uh, say what's working and, and what needs to get better. Um, and they do most of the talking. Okay? And you choose to do that, but recognize that when you're doing that, you're pacifying people's brains. If you're truly wanting them to think through their dilemmas and to, you know, develop them to be agile uh, thinkers that are resilient, um, then you want to shift into your conversation being more about getting them to look at their own thinking. You know, so here's what I hear you saying. Um, so is this how you're seeing the situation or is this just the story you've been telling yourself <laughs> you know and help them to see like maybe they're stuck in some old beliefs or they're worried so much about the future that it's stopping them from moving forward so you can do that with some simple reflection techniques and then just being curious asking the question based on the reflection so, I mean, please, please, please don't ever memorize a list of questions and sit there and ask the questions you remember. Because <laughs> people know you're not being authentic and then you're, you're, you're operating out of memory, not curiosity. Um, so are there ways of opening and closing a coaching session that would be a little bit more formulaic? Yes, but in the process of having the conversation, just be present. And, and again, use reflection, just summarize. So here's what I hear you saying, or you seem to have like three big issues in front of you, which is the most critical one to solve right now. You know, so you narrow their focus into one instead of being all over the place. Um, you know, so we have a direction for the conversation, you know, and then you can just be asking and, um, you know, so what's making this a challenge for you right now? You know, what do you think is getting in the way? How do you know all those people think that about you? <laughs> you know, what's the evidence? So, you know, there's, there's just being, again, hear their story and be curious about it. You know, the, and, and that's conversational coaching. And it doesn't, yes, can you pick up some of that? And yes, I can teach that in a day or two, but again, are you going to go out and do it? What I find with most leaders, when I have a follow-up coaching, uh, group coaching, they're like, yeah, but then it felt awkward, and so I quit doing it. And, you know, it's like, again, it's just to be able to hold them accountable, support them on their journey. 
that you make this into a process. You coach them on their coaching in, um, uh, so they can get through those difficult moments and, and move forward. So um, my last book, The Discomfort Zone, How Leaders Turn Difficult Conversations into Breakthroughs, was more about, you know, what can you do for your coaching conversations, especially when there's discomfort, don't run away. Don't run away from the discomfort because that's the moment where you can really help them grow. Um, so again, just there are some simple things to integrate, you know, so there's skill, but there's also being able to regulate your own emotions so you don't get triggered and, and quit coaching in the moment. And that's really important too. <laughs> so let me ask you a question about the process of, of conversational coaching. How do you guard against moving from coaching to giving advice? Mm -hmm. First off, I always say, who's doing most of the talking? <laughs> you know, so if you're doing most of the talking, you're no longer coaching. Um, you know, I, I always ask the question when I teach, are you willing to give up being the expert in order to be the coach? There has to be a shift in who I think I am as a leader in order to shift into uh, coaching instead of always advice giving. Too many leaders think my value is what I know and, and sharing what I know. And these days, no, your great value is helping people understand what they know and having the courage to apply what they know. And so really looking at who am I as a leader, what's the value I'm providing um, is a critical piece. So we have to look at that. That's why it's good for leaders to get coaching themselves to shift uh, you know, the, the, what they value most, um, being a leader. And then, and then you just start with, you know, I, I'm going to give advice more than coach. And that's where I start. <laughs> but can I be aware in the moment? I mean, even now it's like, I'll give somebody advice when I coach and go, oh, bad coach. I just gave you advice. You know, so we tend to do that. I've been a trainer all these years. Of course I have things, um, to share, but recognizing that they're probably not going to do uh, what you say is you're wasting your breath. <laughs> so it's a matter of just being starting to be aware first of saying, okay, I gave more advice than coaching in that conversation. Um, that awareness alone makes such a big difference that I can start catching myself in the moment and and soon and and it become then more of an automatic shift so at first it's awkward okay and it'll be difficult but that's that's the thing with behavioral change it's not doesn't happen like that so give yourself the space to make the transformation not the change you know and all transformation is a process and takes time yeah and it sounds like from what you're outlining here that it's not just learning how to be a coach. It's actually learning more about yourself and mm -hmm. learning how to have humility and mm -hmm. empathy for others Absolutely. in a way that lets you take a step back and not need to be the expert. Yeah. And even looking at the definition of those things. So a lot of leaders say, Oh, empathy. Oh, it's about feelings. Um, 
Now, empathy is just being so present that you pick up what's going on with them. You're curious and you seek to understand. Okay. You don't take on their emotions. You don't embody their emotions because um, uh, then you won't be present anymore. Um, so you just, you, you understand it. You may feel it, but then you breathe and let it go. So you can be present and even challenge them in those moments um, when they need you to. So I think there's misunderstandings about those skills as well as what coaching is um, uh, that leaders tend to use as excuses, <laughs> you know, um, more than reality. So it's like, is that a reason or a rationalization is often a question I ask. <laughs> One of the other things that you mentioned was approaching conversations with curiosity. And mm -hmm. I was wondering if you could give us a few examples of the kinds of questions you should ask when you're operating in a, in a mode of being curious as a coach. Okay. So there you go again. I'm not going to give you a list of questions. <laughs> <laughs> but let me just give you one example. Like even the word feedback, I hate that word. I absolutely hate it. The research shows that even using the word saying, I'm going to give you some feedback or, or would you like some feedback? The stress response in the brain is the same as if you held a gun to my head. So if instead I was looking at, uh, at, you know, I know what you're, uh, what you're doing right now is is getting in the way of you achieving the goals that you stated. Um, so would you be interested in having a conversation with me to look at um, if there's other ways that, you know, approaches you could take that would help you achieve your goal? Um, that's not, that would work better than what you're doing now. Okay, so that way I'm opening up a co coaching conversation. I'm not just saying you're bad and this is what you should do differently um, because nobody wants to be made wrong or feel bad. So those people that say, I love feedback when you ask for it, but not when somebody gives it to you and you, you, you weren't really wanting it. So no, there's different times. So again, um. Uh, the curiosity is, you know, so tell me from your perspective of what's going on. So I can't assume I know. So one of the dangers of, of coaching conversations is you start to tell me what you're experiencing and I immediately go into, oh, I know, I've been there too. It's like, no, I haven't. I have never been where you are, you know, because you have a different view of the world than I do. So for me to assume that I have lived your experience is wrong. Okay, so so tell me how you, you experience this. It's like, well, that's fascinating. You can even say I've had some similar experiences myself. I think, you know, that's kind of like a standard rite of passage, you know, for, for people in your situation. So again, tell me what's the biggest challenge that you're facing right now? What is it that you'd really like to work through that we could spend a little time on. Um, so we get really curious to find one thing at a time um, that we can help them find another possibility than they're stuck with now. And, and let me say that the difference between transactional and transformational, transactional is problem solving. Okay, the word trans means to cross over. And so transactional means to cross over to new actions. So if I'm having a conversation, I'll say, so what have you tried? What worked? What didn't work? 
what else could you try? You know, what, what would be the gain? What are the consequences? What are the risks? I mean, you know, the SWOT analysis, that's standard. Um, but it's external and it's just looking at actions. And it's likely the person's not going to take the actions anyway, but it's transactional. Transformational means I'm crossing over to create something new, formation. All right. So, so this conversation we're having, a, a coaching conversation, is for me to help you to see what else is possible that you could create that you haven't thought about. And then what would it take for you to do that? What would get in your way? What needs to be resolved? Um, so you can create that. What, needs, what do you need to let go of? In order for us to allow something new to emerge, there's things we have to let go of. So like I said, for a leader needs to let go of being the expert in order to be the coach, there's a let go. And there's off, that often happens. So what do you need to let go of so you can step into this new position? you know, is, is a great question, um, you know, and like in technical companies, you know, being the technical expert was great early in their career, but now if they're moving into upper management, they have to let that go and trust other people and that humility that you mentioned. Um, so it's a transformational process because I'm transforming what's possible that I can create, who I think I am in relation to that situation. All of that is, you know, kind of creating a new perspective um, that just doing problem solving won't get. Yeah, I'm really intrigued by the transact versus transform um, mm -hmm. sort of mindsets that you just illustrated. And I think it, it also ties into, if I think about it in a different way, it's sort of the closed versus the open mindset right and the yeah. like the willingness that you bring to to grow which necessarily mm -hmm. means the degree to which you're willing to be curious about yourself yeah. as well as the other person mm -hmm. um, and to one other point that you made around demonstrating that you echo or share someone's experience that that they've had I know I've caught myself in coaching conversations where somebody will say oh I experienced this and then I immediately jump in with oh yes I experienced something similar because I, I I think I do it because I want to achieve common ground with the person and I want to relate to them in a different way and I want them to see me as someone that's relatable but I ultimately know that it's it's a really terrible thing to do yeah so, yeah yeah you just made it about you and not them 100 <laughs> percent, and it's it's so interesting that you raise that because that is an area that I've been working on and, and just mm -hmm. generally in conversation mm -hmm. I find that even if it's not in a coaching context mm -hmm. um, when you do that with someone who, who you're having a, a chat with whether it's you know on a social basis or a work basis you immediately turn the attention upon yourself and and that's not a, a delightful or productive way to proceed with <laughs> right right <laughs> building the relationship down it's like yeah that's fine yeah that's what you think <laughs> yeah absolutely so well the transact versus transform is a really powerful uh structure that our listeners can take away and think about because when you look at both of those contexts, the outcome is just so evident, right? And so I guess um, when you're entering a coaching conversation, you need to decide, well, what outcome do you hope for the person that you're in conversation mm -hmm. with, right? And I think if you can think about it 
a little bit mechanically in the beginning, it might help you actually set the right tone uh, for the outcome for the person. So thank you for outlining mm -hmm. that. So just as we close here, I'd, I'd love to hear some of your thoughts about what you're seeing in the world of work today mm -hmm. in this very odd, quickly changing environment. Mm -hmm. um, you know, we're all having conversations about what's changed for people at work because of the pandemic. Um, but what do you see as, as the most pressing thing that leaders who are showing up as coaches need to be thinking about to help people today? Yeah. Well, you know, the remote conversations aren't going to go away. Um, even if it's hybrid and we get back to work, we're still now going to connect yeah, remotely in, in many ways. Um, that does require a building of rapport in a different way. And you can't just talk at people. They will just check out. They get bored. <laughs> yeah. So engagement um, in a conversation is even more critical. But I think right now in this moment, what I said earlier about don't get triggered by their emotions, allow them to have them so they feel safe with you. Um, so even if somebody cries when I coach them, they still feel safe enough if I challenge their thinking. It's like I can see that's really sad um, for you, but I'm wondering how that's playing into your conversation going forward. Um, I can still do that because they know I'm there for them. So really learning emotional intelligence is important. Being able to catch when you're triggered, you know, and breathe through it so you can stay present, um, but present with a compassionate curiosity. So they feel safe with you, that they can be vulnerable. Um, right now, this is so important that we do this for people. You know, people are not even understanding, why am I so angry at the end of the day? Um, you know, what is it, it, you know, fear has shifted into anger around the world with people and irritation, um, the lack of control and it keeps going on and um, not knowing what's going to happen in the future and sitting a lot, <laughs> you know, so um, we have to give people the space to feel whatever they feel and to be where they are um, and, and just let them talk about it you know, and then facilitate the conversation. I mean, don't let them go in circles, you know, and take over, but let them talk and then use reflection and, and just get some clarity on well, what would be most useful for you now um, to resolve that would help you to move forward. So, yeah. Well, thank you so much. I think that there is a lot for us all to learn, but you've definitely isolated a few basics that mm -hmm. hopefully people will gravitate towards and just grow with. Mm -hmm. So thank you so much for sharing your, your thoughts and your ideas. Mm -hmm. And um, thanks for being part of the conversation. Yeah, thank you. Thanks for, for great questions. <laughs> Wonderful. Well, you be well and uh, keep in touch. Okay, great. Thanks. Thanks for listening to this episode of People at Work. It would mean a lot to us if you could head over to Apple Podcasts and leave a review. The more reviews we get, the more people discover the podcast. Also, don't forget to subscribe to ensure that you don't miss an episode. You can do this wherever you get your podcasts. Or you can reach me at bev at jostle.me or find me on LinkedIn. Until next time, take care. Mm -hmm.